Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Real Storytellers Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, and this is episode 108. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. His name is Alfonso, and he happens to be my cousin. He is going to share with us his story, and it's a story about redemption. You don't want to miss this. Let's go. Today we have with us my cousin Alfonso, and he's going to share his story. His story is very inspirational. It amplifies redemption. It amplifies forgiveness, forgiveness for himself. And this is a person who could have taken his path and made it very dark, but instead he chose to turn it all around. And I'm super proud of him. He's one of the most authentic people I have ever known and I love dearly. So without further ado, I'm going to let him tell his story. We're going to start with his childhood and then go from there. Hello, everybody. How are you? So um, I grew up in, um, in, um, with a single father. Um, my parents kind of divorced early. Um, it was just me and my pops for, since the time I was uh, two years old. Um, and it was, it, was, it was a good life. My father was a good dad. Um, he had a rough life himself, so uh, he did the absolute best he could to provide everything um, for me. And, uh, he did a great job at that. I, I do hands down, give him so much credit for everything that he's done in my life. Um, and the, and the persistence, you know, the tenacity to, to continue to be there through all the, you know, the drama and the, I mean, that's what dads do. Yeah, definitely. They're supposed to do so. Um, And then parents, they do the best that they know how to do with what they have, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think it's all about experience. You know, you really don't understand what a person's life is like or what their perspective is because you just didn't walk in their shoes. So you don't really understand how they see. Exactly. Um, And and we really don't, uh, we don't embrace that or consider it um, when it, when it's our parents that we're talking about, because, you know, it's always a one way street. We, we don't really consider um, what lives they led before they became parents. And that's something that, you know, is important to consider in exactly. order to be able to understand your own life a little bit. Definitely. Better, right? I so. could see that because it's almost like you feel <laughs> like you're just almost expecting them to be this perfect parent. Right? right, right, right. Like what? Like, they're like, supposed to have it together. So yeah, what the heck's going on? You know, like, yeah, why, yeah, why, yeah. why are we doing this or why are we going through this? But mm-hmm. you, you just don't really understand what you know what they've had to walk through. So, um, all that being said, um, my father, you know, was he was a heavy drinker uh, when I was young, um, and he was always, you know, for the majority of his life, he was an alcoholic, and it was um, it was trauma that that you know he he lived through that he had mm-hmm. to kind of work through. Um, but being a, a person, you know, a man growing up in a, in the early sixties and seventies, you, there yeah. was a different mentality for men oh, and definitely. you had to be tough and you just kind of had to eat that. Um, so, you know, he, he did his best to, to deal with whatever, um, came his way. Anyhow, that was something that I had to Absolutely. deal with growing up and it, it, it definitely affected, um, how things were at the house, you know? Um, and just, you know, being around that was tough. Um, but as I got older, it, you know, you started to kind of level out and, um, mm-hmm. I'd see my, you'd go and see my mom every now and then I was, a you know, every other weekend I'd go and hang out yeah. with her, but, but she was also, you know, going through her own thing and, living her own life. She has, I have, you know, two other brothers and sister who are older than me. Um, and she was a single parent taking care of all of them. So, um, yeah. it was a lot for, for, you know, a 22 year old to have four children 
you know, and, and <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> so it's, it's, I'm sure it's, it's a lot. I, I can barely begin to imagine. Um, but all that being said, uh, my dad did a pretty good job taking care of things. I stayed in school, was made great grades, was A, B on a roll all the time. Um, just got a little wild, I guess, uh, started to venture out and let go a little bit, but, um, you know, things started getting rough for me as, as time progressed. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of lashing out in my own way for all the things that I had to deal with at home. Um, it just being me and my father, you know, the majority of, of our lives. Um, and it was, it was frustrating being the, the only person in the household who had to deal with this, you know? Mm. So, um, I think at some point I got tired of it and I just, I started to lash out and become a little, a little bit of a, a problem, a troublemaker, but, um, did you have, I'm sorry, did you have siblings, um, there with you as well? Um, no? I dads? mean, that, no, I did not. No, it's just, okay. it's it was just, just mostly you. Yeah. He's a single okay. parent. I'm a only child. Um, okay. Okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, that being said, uh, things just got a little more rough and I, I started to kind of, I guess, get more into trouble. I wasn't coming straight home after school. I started skipping school at a very young age. Um, mm -hmm. I wound up um, just meeting people who <laughs> smoked weed and wound up getting into that, um, you know, and, and that was, uh, it was crazy because I wasn't, I didn't hang around with like problem, like troublemakers. I didn't hang out with problem really? kids when I was younger. Everybody was like a good kid. Yeah, we all made good grades. We were all, you know, in sports. We all like were in honors classes or whatever it was in the sixth grade. I was in like, okay. um, special classes, right? Whatever they are. Mm -hmm. um, so that being said, um, I, I feel like it wasn't much of an influence from my friends, um, but it was just something that I guess I embraced and, and kind of ran with to kind of, I guess, escape from things. I never really explored that too much, you know, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's just how things started out. I, I was definitely really good in school. Um, got to high school, was in honors classes. Um, was in soccer, cross country, track, theater. I mean, I excelled immensely at theater. I uh, mm -hmm. would. I wound up getting a um, going to school for that uh, after after high school. But I think that's just in high school where things started to get really out of control. Um, yeah. I started to, yeah, just focus more on partying and hanging out with friends. Um, I, I really wasn't focusing on school like I used to. Um, so I wound up stepping away more from my, my priorities, my responsibilities, and just kind of let go a little little too much. Um, and I think that's where things started to get really bad. I had like a really good path for myself. I was, you know, I had a bunch mm -hmm. of opportunities to go to school for, for theater. Um, I had people asking me to, to you know, play soccer on, on, um, on certain leagues. Um, and then trying to go into, into, into like college, taking that with me. Um, but I, I let that go. I, I dropped out for a little while. I stopped going, not dropped out of high school. I graduated, but didn't go back to school for a little bit. Went to the, went to school in, um, Jacksonville, Texas for, for theater. Um, and I think that's where, I'm, you know, I, I really, that rang a bell with me. Cause I remember yeah. that's what I wanted to do in high school. Yeah. And I remember talking to you about it. 
yeah, when we yeah, were younger. Dude, it was yeah, so great. Yeah, I definitely. like I did so well. Um, and so I figured that's like the direction that I, I really wanted to go in, and it was. But mm-hmm. I just I I had no sense of of responsibility. I had no sense of priority at the house. I felt like being an only child, and my dad feeling bad for the ways that that things kind of were between us, or just like mm-hmm. what we had to endure. Um, he, he gave me a lot, he cut me a lot of slack. And so it was this, you know, very unbalanced reality where you got disciplined and and scolded when you did something wrong, but the bounce back was like almost like it it was almost counterproductive. Yeah. You know, so I, I got so much Liberty after screwing up that, you know, it was like, no big deal. I'll do it again. I'll be in trouble for this amount of time, but things are going to be way better right after. So I never really had, um, that, that sense of, of, you know, like there's repercussions for, for what you do. Yeah. Um, you and, didn't have and that I, like accountability, right? Like there was, was no just, accountability. Oh. Absolutely <laughs> not. And it showed in a lot of the ways that I was, you know, the ways that I behaved, the types of relationship, like the ways that I treated my friends, Mm-hmm. Um, the word, like giving my word out and, and it meaning absolutely nothing but, but face value, you know, it was just yeah. what it was. Um, and, uh, and that, that started to really weigh on, on my relationships with friends. People started to be more like dismissive and, um, of course, because nobody wants to be disregarded like that. Um, yeah. so it just, it just, it, it was a whole lifestyle. It became this whole thing where I struggled to find, um, a proper direction. I wasn't getting too much of it at the house. My dad gave me great advice, but I just didn't feel like there was any, he wasn't really pushing me towards one thing. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, Hey, well you get out there and do it and you're going to do great. And you know, Mm -hmm. um, just a little bit of that disconnect kind of a little bit. And also you got to think like, um, I mean, my father didn't have anybody to really push him to go to school. You know, he went, graduated, yeah. made great, great grades, you know, but um, he went into the army uh, and he wound up staying in there um, for a while. And it, there was just a lot of things that happened when, when he was gone. So, yeah, um, I think maybe your dad had this like that was maybe his way of connecting with you was kind of giving you that liberty in a sense. Right. Right. And, and so that's, that's what I was saying is like, he, he, you know, he would give me great advice at the house. It just, he didn't really know how to be more. Connect, right? uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, and that, that, that's all right. Um, but for me, it was, it was like, uh, I just felt like I could kind of do whatever. It didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. At that point, all my friends were very real friends. Um, It wasn't until a little later that I started to lose all those friends. I mean, these were friends that I grew up with, you know, I I was in high school with them. And then I left to college, came back, um, reconnected with everybody. Um, But I just, I, I let my responsibilities as a man, because I was already, I was already leaving home. I wasn't like I was, I came back home and mm. I chose not to go and live with my father. Um, went and lived mm. with a friend of mine, uh, couch surfed for a little while. And there was just, it was just, I was never trying to move forward. And at yeah. some point it just became like you had this, no direction. Right. I just, I just started to let go and started to depend on, 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 you know, riding on the coattail of my, my father, my mom, anybody that would give me a handout. And I just started to, to, 
do more. I started dabbling in, in more drugs, uh, started to mm-hmm. do just heavier stuff. Um, and it, it started to get out of control. Um, I wound up getting to a point where um, things were getting really bad. I got married um, and oh my was God, out of I control. Forgot. With, yeah, right. It was so long ago. <laughs> Sorry. But I, I was married for, yeah, it was like a year and a half, uh, two years we were married. Um, and it was, it wasn't something that was, you know, that should have happened. I think, I think we were both, um, very, um, uh, what's the word impulsive. It was an impulsive decision for the both of us. It was a moment where we both felt like, Hey, let's go ahead and do this. So we did. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we kind of tried to make it work, but it it never really did. Anyhow, doing, um, you know, doing that really messed with my relationship. Um, and you know there was there was a bunch of problems because of that. Um, moving forward, I let that go, stopped doing that, um, wound up diving harder into into harder drugs, um, and mm-hmm. then I just kind of that's when I really started to let go. Um, I started dating somebody, and we were together for a very long time, and it was just this back and forth where we were always struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got. Would to you a say point the drug use led you to? toxic relationships i'm sorry i would no sorry that's okay um no no no, absolutely not that's i feel like it i don't feel like my relationships were toxic the people that i was dating i felt like i Mm -hmm. i allowed for this toxicity to slip into our relationship i feel like there was a, a really good relationship that i had with this person but we poison the well <laughs> by allowing each other to, mm-hmm. to dive to do drugs you know when, when you start doing is yeah. methamphetamines when you do methamphetamines i mean you you lose interest for almost everything else and you know it's, it's yeah. whatever um so that was a huge issue for us for a very long time uh and it finally got to a point where um i started taking a bunch of xanax um and mm-hmm. i just really didn't care i had no direction i, I it was, it was really bad. Um, but there was a lot of ambition. There was a lot of desire. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, like, I guess, uh, just it's, it was desire. It was desire and I just lacked motivation. I didn't have any drive. I didn't have any reason to, to do anything. I felt like there was nothing that was worth Mm -hmm. me doing anything for. Um, and I think a big part of that was my ADHD. So I don't even want to branch mm. off into that, but I feel like these two things <laughs> hand in hand created this, this ultimate beast that, um, you know, that was, that was very, um, toxic. It was a toxic trait. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I got to the point where I was just kind of wiling out, not really caring. I was live with my dad. Um, I wound up meeting somebody who, um, was just a toxic person. Um, and I wound up hanging out with this person regularly. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we wound up hanging out, just going out and doing different things. Um, every now mm-hmm. and then he was okay, but he just, he had a very different mindset than I did. Um, uh, I wasn't interested in being okay. like a, a thug or, um, I didn't want to, I, yeah, I wasn't interested not. in doing, you know, bad things like that, harming other people, anything like that. Just never, it wasn't anything that I was interested in. Um, it wasn't, was it wasn't wild. in your nature. I was I was yeah. more self-destructive than anything. Yeah, I wasn't like out there to hurt anybody else. Um, and so mm-hmm. I wound up getting involved with this guy and um, agreed to 
do something terrible. I was really uh, high on, on Xanax and agreed to go and do something that I, I don't think that I should have ever, I know I should have never done, but I, I would have never thought to do this. And I just, it still surprises yes. me that I, I got that low. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I wound up getting caught for something I didn't do, but was, you know, in the process of doing. Um, and it wound up really, um, really changing the course of my life. And I'm really, it, it's a, it's such a weird experience because as much as you don't want things like that to happen to your life, when they become the pivotal moment in your life, it's almost like you have to be grateful for that terrible thing that happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so because I, if it wasn't like, for that terrible thing. Right. I have mixed emotions. Like, where like would I was you accused be? of something yeah. I didn't do. Um, but at the same time, if I wasn't and how would I have changed? Would I have like taken the the steps to <laughs> to to be where I am today? Would I have had that desire? You know, I don't think that I would mm -hmm. have. I would have felt like I, I got away with something else and I can probably continue to do this. The, the cycle would have just perpetuated um, and mm -hmm. it would have probably been a very tragic end. You know, I can't imagine how bad it could have gone, but I wound up going away, Definitely. Um, getting sentenced to prison for aggravated robbery. Um, and I was sentenced to seven years. Um, it was <laughs> devastating for everybody that was in my support circle you know my mom Definitely. my dad my i mean my girlfriend at the time um you know just everybody is so many people that cared about me that really saw so much ambition and so so much uh potential and i just kind of squandered it because i i thought i'm just smart enough to to, to beat this whole thing you know um and everything's yeah. gonna be okay and real but, quick did um did did you realize that you had that much support until that happened? Like, did you realize that many people were in I, your corner that loved you? I don't really think that I I did, and I feel like, um, I feel like I I I had stopped believing that I had that many people in my support group so long ago mm -hmm. that when it came to this point they had already, a lot of people had already stopped believing in me and they had stopped oh, feeling okay. that, you know what I mean? But there were certain mm -hmm. people that still, still stayed, stayed strong and like came through. And I, I was surprised a little bit, but, but not very much like your dad. I mean, he came yes. and tried to represent me. He wrote a letter, uh, you know, support letter. Oh, yeah. He um, loves you so much. Yeah, definitely. I love your dad so much. I love your mom and dad. They're, they're great people. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, that was a, a huge, huge pivotal point in my life. Um, and that's how, that's so where during things the started time, to change. Yeah. So during the time that, you know, you were using drugs, obviously I'm sure like extended family, such as my dad. And like, I don't think anyone knew about, you know, the heaviness of the drug use you were doing. Um, yeah. during the time, the people that did know, was there any intervening or did, did they um, kind of maybe not, was, were they not aware of it too much? Was it mostly your friends that knew? So, so this is something that um, <laughs> I really, uh, it's not something I tell everybody, but I feel like it's, 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 it's relative and it's important to the story. Um, I started smoking weed when I was about 
like on my own when I was about 12. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got really good at hiding, hiding it. Nobody Mm -hmm. would know when I was high, when I was a kid. And I hung out with people who were in honors classes with me, who were in sports with me in soccer, cross country track. Nobody did any of that. And so I kept it from Mm -hmm. all of them also. And the very few people that did know were the people that I got high with, that I smoked with, right? And at that point in Mm -hmm. high school, that it wasn't a big issue. It was mostly just weed. Um, And I mean, I say it like it's not that big of a deal. It is for for any high school student to be, right? But um, Mm -hmm. case in point, uh, there weren't any people back then that that were too concerned about it. As I got older and it became more of an issue, not still, it was like I'm saying, not too many people knew. Um, but when mm-hmm. it started to become noticeable, um, people did try to speak up. I just, I had a, I, I was, I did not want to hear it and I didn't give them the time of day to be able to express those concerns. And mm-hmm. so I almost curbed that, that, uh, that behavior by lashing out at them and nobody wanted to deal with that. I would, I, I'm. I'm also yeah. like quick with words. So I just go off and try to convince them that everything was okay. And after a while they were just like, look, like, you know, I don't want to argue. Like, I love you. And I, I want have you to, to back be okay. Off. Yeah. But yeah. What do you do? Right. When, yeah. when the lion's angry. Yeah. When um, someone so doesn't want to help I, themselves. Definitely. Yeah. And that's the, that's the worst thing is, um, I've been around other people who have been in that same boat before I was ever in it. So that's, it's a little more, um, you know, it's, it's something that I, I take to heart just a little bit more because of the fact that I, I allowed myself to walk through that even after seeing people that I loved go through those things. So, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Okay. So fast forward, you're in court, you received your sentence. Yeah. What now? Yeah. So I, I'm like absolutely shocked on the, I was out for a, a year on bond. Um, and while I was out, um, I got a job right away, started working, um, made friends and was just still trying to be more responsible, but still reckless. Um, I just was like, I, I didn't think that I was going to beat it. I wasn't sure, but I, I was like mm-hmm. totally not, not acknowledging the, the possibilities. And so that year went by and yeah. I, I kept my job, um, stayed out of trouble wasn't doing anything too crazy. Um, and then, yeah. you know, the court date finally comes, I show up and they sentence me and now it's time, like they say seven years. And I, you know, I can't believe it. It's, it's so crazy. I, I freak out. Um, and you know, the, the bailiff comes and puts handcuffs on me and walks me to the back and I'm just like in total shock. And we go to the back. Is that and when it became holding- real to you? absolutely real it it was so <laughs> it was so real it was unbelievably real i was it was surreal i was like is this really happening am i really going away for this long i mean it's it's a tough pill to swallow and um definitely yeah so i go to the back and you know i'm in the holding tank that little holding cell and at that point, I accepted it. I accepted it almost immediately. 
I rolled off. I took off my my uh, whatever that sports coat that I was wearing and balled it up. Kicked mm-hmm. off my shoes, put it under my head, and I was like, you know, the quicker, the sooner that you start accepting this, the better off you're going to be. The more that you fight it, so you the mentally more... knew that. Absolutely, there's no getting out. This is it. That gavel hit that thing, and and it was over. There's there's nothing you can do to revert. You can try to fight it while you're in there, but. You're going to be in there mm-hmm. trying to fight it. Just, Nobody's going to let you in out there. and yeah. say, okay, well, you figure it out. Then we'll figure out if we're going to put you in there or not. No. So, um, yeah, absolutely. At that moment, I, I realized that I had to – I absolutely had to do something different. And um, something had to change because I was going to be placed inside of a system that does not try to correct you that is – implemented it is in place to penalize you they it, they're there yes. it's a crim, it's a criminal justice system it's not like a corrections facility right there's opportunity for that but it's not enforced it's like you go in here you're bad yeah you do whatever you definitely want with your something time. you're gonna have to want yeah yeah and so you're around a bunch of other people who just don't give a damn and they probably care less than you do there is always somebody who cares less than you do. So you think you can do something bad and mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't want to test the waters with people in there. So, I mean, immediately I was like, I've got to be on my best behavior. I've got to change like back to who I used to be. I've got to reconnect with the the good nature in my heart. I've got to remember that I've always been a great person. I've always cared. I've always had a good heart. Um, and that I've just escaped from that mentality and that, that way of thinking for far too long. Um, I put myself first before anybody and everything. And when you live that life, your life gets cut short quick because nobody wants to be around somebody that doesn't care about anything else but themselves. And And, um, you know, you get to a point where you are stripped from everything. And if you ever did have anything worth value, and if you ever did value your relationships and they ever did mean anything and your freedom was something that you, that you treasured, then you really start to kind of, um, you really start to acknowledge that you start to think about all these things and, and and yeah. question what decisions you're making and really start to put mm-hmm. accountability into effect. Um, like I said, there, there are things that you can do while you're in there. I stayed away from trouble. I minded my P's and Q's. I did my job, which you don't get paid for. You get paid for nothing in there, um, but you got to work. <laughs> um, and so it also so that's, kind of, that's a really big, uh, that's a really big adjustment for someone who never was really ever in trouble to present. I mean, that is like, did you get, I mean, did you get advice about going in there? What to, what not to do? Did you know um, kind of what to stay away from? Or did you just make your mind up like, okay, I'm just going to stay out of everyone's business and I'm just going to do me and focus on just making time go by like trying to help my mind 
No, for sure. Um, I think that at some point, um, well, there was nobody who ever really gave me advice from the beginning. It was always jokes, you know, the the worst kind of um, prison jokes you can imagine. The typical and, jokes. Of course. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, cool. thanks for all the good advice. Um, but when I got there, I made up my mind <laughs> rather quickly as to what I wanted to do. Um, the people who were reading the Bible were the ones that were trying to stay out of trouble. Um, I wasn't completely right with God. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think that I let go of my spirituality and didn't have any type of connection with, um, with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt, I felt like at that moment, it was important for me to surround myself with people who were trying to stay out of trouble. So I started reading the Bible with these people. Um, and it definitely helped, you know, there, you start to become definitely. like, uh, associated with that group and people are like, he's minding his business. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. He's not out here trying to be in the middle of all the conversations and wrapped up in all the drama mm -hmm. inside of there. Um, but I, I slowly got away from that and just found that if I gave my respect to people um, and I stood my ground on certain things um, and I gave my word and I kept it, people would leave you alone. You're going to be able to survive the time. I was definitely yeah. trying to find a way to survive and that was it. And Honestly, being so well-mannered, um, being patient, these are like, some of these are virtues, right? You just, some of these things yes. you're forced to learn and, and like embrace. Um, and so, so you slowly find these things by, by keeping quiet, by listening more, um, by mm -hmm. lending people some time to talk. There's so many smart people out there in the world that have experienced things you would never even imagine. Um, and it's because you assume that you know who they are just by looking at them. Um, it's a system that's implemented to, to break you, you know, and, and mm -hmm. they give you all the same clothes. I mean, Jesus, you share boxers and underwear and socks, you know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. clothes, like everything you wear is just taken away and washed. And then they bring you your size that you're supposed to wear. So, um, it, it, it was definitely, uh, an adjustment, but it, it, I was reacquainted with, with a bunch of really good things, um, and positive qualities. Um, and I found myself being more loving. Just, I jumped into a bunch of classes. Yeah. I started teaching a couple of classes. Uh, I did all I could to stay involved. Um, I, in some of those classes, they taught, taught me so much about accountability, about forgiveness, not just for other people, but for yourself. Um, and that I think was the, 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 like the, the biggest change in my life that I felt like that's where the biggest changes happened was when I learned to forgive myself. Um, yeah, you can forgive other people for a lot of things that they do, but you, you are your worst critic. And sometimes you definitely, we, as, as people, struggle to let go of things that we've done or that didn't do, or and we have all these regrets and, and they weigh us down yeah. so much. So, and you don't, you can't see past that obstacle because you're struggling with overcoming it. Yes. And it's, it's like any lesson. You can't see the next one until you figure this one out. Right. So, yes. um, for me, it was, it was a bunch of that. It was just this domino effect where I started to feel like everything was falling into place. I was becoming more patient. I was being more humble. I was listening to more people, taking more advice, 
trying to to find the right things to offer people being more positive instead of toxic. Um, and in those things, you start to become a role model for people. When you are all of these qualities and you become the embodiment of of the discipline to be that person, people in there mm-hmm. notice that. Everybody noticed that. And yeah. I and I and I appreciated that people not only acknowledged it but admired it. And for me it was mm-hmm. like it fed that. I was like, okay, so it's I'm getting something out of it and you're getting something out of it. So this is like a like we can make a cycle out of this, right? Yeah. And I yeah, felt definitely. like this was this was the best thing for me was being a, a motivator. So I became a, a public speaker in there. I started speaking. I started teaching a class that um, just talked about prison life. Um, and that was a, a great thing. Coming back up, uh, up on, back onto what you were talking about uh, when you were asking if somebody ever gave me advice when I got in there. And nobody really did. Um, but I was fortunate enough to, to find a class that um, – kind of taught the newcomers, the new inmates, um, what to expect when you got there yeah, definitely. and what decisions you could and couldn't make and what decisions you should just avoid at all costs. What like experiences yeah, and in there, it's, a, you know, it's a, there's a huge stigma that you have to be a certain way. You have to be tough. You have to be hard. You have to sign up with gangs. I didn't do any of that. Five times I was approached by people who wanted to fight me and five times I walked away. That is more times in my life that I've ever walked. I've never walked away from a fight. Yeah. Yeah. And so being in there, I was like, what, what do you want? You know, what do you really want to accomplish? You, you know, that if you get in trouble, you're going to go even deeper into the hole here. You're going to lose your privileges of seeing your father. And then he's going to have to stress about that while he's out there. Do you want to put that kind of burden on him? What your decisions affect everybody not just yourself. Yeah. And I was starting to, I was starting yes. to become more aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. And of course I care about my father's well being, So I, I, I stayed out of trouble a little bit more, but it was definitely, of uh, course. it was a great opportunity to be able to step into that role. Um, yeah. To, to, so you know, I had interviewed actually a guy, um, sorry, I had interviewed a guy that did 20 uh, something years in prison, not that long ago. Dang. And, um, he, he had shot a guy during a, like a drug deal gone bad and he got sentenced and he did over 20 years. So I can't even imagine, you know, having yeah. that much time that's, under your belt in prison, that's a but, lot. um, he mentioned, yeah. And he mentioned while he was in there, um, at first it was like, he was the same way, like kind of, uh, he went in there kind of cold. He said he had to shut off his emotions. Like there was a part of him that had to kind of die because if not, he was going to break in there and he didn't want to be like that. And it wasn't until, um, you know, something spiritual happened with him too as well. And then he started um, like thinking differently and, and doing everything differently. And I talked to him about, okay, well, when you got out, how did you shut those emotions back on? Because I guess a part of you has to be in survival mode because you're away from everything you love. Did you experience that at all? I definitely did. And I felt exactly the same way when I first got there. You have to disassociate yourself from the like your normal way of thinking 
And with that mm-hmm. comes your emotions, you know, your, your emotional responses to things. You can't have those same emotional responses because sometimes you get in there and you get too emotional and you start to, maybe you get sad. Something makes you sad and, and like, or somebody says something that hurts your feelings and, and, you know, you, you like, you act like it hurts you. People are going to think that as a sign of weakness, they're going to take that as a sign of weakness. So mm-hmm. you really have to change how you think, how you, like what you show, what expressions you, you let off. Um, and I think that that was, um, something that, that was tough for me also. Um, but it was, it was almost like he said, it was, uh, it was like survival mode. Mm-hmm. You had to do this in order to survive in there. You had to change that up. Um, so mm-hmm. for sure, I felt like I definitely disconnected with it, but at some point I reconnected with it and I just, I just got in touch with myself in such a spiritual and a loving way that I just was jovial. I was happy. I, I, I smiled and I, I was like, I'm like, let's take this day on. Let's knock it out. Let's do whatever we can. And I did really well. I got moved into great, like good job positions. Um, I went to a minimum security prison because of it. Um, I was just doing really well. Um, and at some point I started to feel like I can just open up and be myself more being at that, at that camp where it's a minimum security everybody's there and it's a privilege. So everybody's pretty well behaved. Um, and so it, it became easier to, to let, let go, drop my guard a little bit. Um, and also gave me the opportunity to explore, um, making great connections and learning to let go of those connections. When you meet Mm -hmm. people in there, you make some really good friends and not everybody in there it's not that everybody's a bad person. It's that everybody got caught doing something that that's bad. Yeah, right? definitely. And mm-hmm. there's some great people. They're just, and they got caught up doing some really bad things. And I've made some really great friends in there. Um, you can try to exchange information, you know, so ho- in hopes that, you know, you stay in touch, but you get transferred, they get transferred and yeah, you gotta definitely. Go. You got to say goodbye and you're in there for who knows how long and you don't know where they're going and they're in there for just as long as you are. You don't know if they're going to parole or not. So you yeah. just hope that, you know, you, you wish them the best. It's like, I made this really good friend and I probably will never see you again in my life, dude, mm. but I love you. God bless you. May the the most positive energies of this universe be with you. And you know, bon voyage. Cause you know, so yeah, yeah, you, you learn to love and you learn to love and let go, um, in healthy ways, um, in ways that allow you to, to explore really good relationships. Because before I thought you just never get close to somebody just don't. Cause that's what they say. Nah, you just don't get close. Cause then, you know, yeah. then this happens. But in the end, I felt like I was really, um, missing out on, on a great opportunity to get to know some really cool people. So, you know, I, yeah, I started to learn that more from before everyone. I, absolutely. So definitely. Um, so, okay. So how many years did you do total? I was in there for four years. I did four out of seven. Four. Okay. Um, it was okay. an aggravated charge. So I was, um, I was, I had to do half of it before I could even come up for parole. You know, if it's not, yeah. then you, you get to uh, come up, I think like, after 20% of it or something like that, but I had to do 50. So I did three and a half came yeah. up for parole was teaching classes, was super active in the system. Um, and yeah, a couple months later I got a notice and saying that I was going to, you know, I was going to go home. 
Um, nice. Waited about three months, four months, and then I got shipped off. And yeah, I wound up uh, transferring out of there. So how was it being released? What was that day like when you first got out? How was it? Um, so it was good. I had already communicated with family. Um, everybody was excited for me to be, you know, coming home and a bunch of friends excited that I was leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, getting to that point, it was, it was exciting. Um, but I knew that there was a lot of work to be done ahead of me. Um, I was so, so thrilled to be free and to hug my dad and to hug my mom. Oh, I bet. Um, I didn't, I didn't say this, but I feel like my relationships with my both parents became so much stronger um, and so much like uh, more healthier, I guess so much healthier. Yes, absolutely. My dad stopped drinking after me being in there for about a year and a half, um, decided that he was completely done. And so he's been sober for about eight years now, nine years. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, yeah, she'd come and see me regularly, which was a great deal because, you know, we struggled. Uh, we had a very rough relationship growing up. Yeah. I wasn't very close to my mom, um, but she really put put her best effort out out there trying to to be there for me. Um, they're both they both started to I guess change their own. They definitely changed their own lives. I felt like it was a it was a pivotal moment for everybody. When I went away, I think yeah. my parents started to to self-analyze themselves just a little bit more. I think there was a little more introspection. Yeah. I felt like they started to question a lot of things that they were doing. Um, it's your kid. Yeah. Your kid's growing up really bad and you want to understand what the freak is going on, you know? And, <laughs> and also, you know, yeah. it's, it was so bad that I was in prison. So I think that it, it played a big role in everybody's decision to kind of look at themselves and find out, you know, what, what exactly was the most important thing for them. And, and it was great. I mean, I'm, I'm sad that I went away, but, um, you know, getting out, I, I realized that, um, it was an opportunity to, to really turn things around. Um, so, so picking up where you left off, um, like coming back out, did you have the same friends you had when you went in? Did you have the same environment or was it something like, Oh no, I need to get away from that. environment. I'm not going back to that. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I took some classes that, uh, while I was in there. And one of them was mm-hmm. called Bridges to Life. And uh, I brought home the workbook because it was, it was life-changing. It is, it is the class that I give so much credit to for teaching me so much about myself and about um, how life works, really. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I, I know in there, one of the biggest things that we talked about was people, places, and things. And so if you really want to change the way that you do things and you don't want to be part of that recidivism rate, which is absolutely through the roof, people going Mm -hmm. back to prison after they've been there is, it's just, it's so bad. Um, So I definitely didn't want to return. Um, And I was practicing everything that they'd been teaching me. So I figured I'd continue with it. And I made sure to stay away from the people that I was around before. Um, I changed the places that I would go. I didn't revisit a bunch of the places the houses the bars the um just the clubs whatever i was doing mm-hmm. and the things that i was doing i changed up i stopped i stopped thinking the same way i stopped being so 
I stopped being so stagnant and sitting around and doing nothing and having all this negative energy and thinking that I couldn't do anything. I had to motivate myself mm-hmm. more. Um, and uh, definitely felt like that was a big part of what helped me to change was staying away from all those things. And of course, the support system that I came out to was a huge one. It was, I felt like it was even better than it was before. I felt like my mom was doing better. My dad was doing better. My brother was doing better. Um, Everybody was just trying to do better in their lives at this point. And it felt really good to come out to seeing all these people doing like better things for themselves. Uh, So I was, I was happy to, to have that. Um, I was very fortunate um, to have that. Not everybody does. And you know, it's important to understand yeah. why why people go back. Um, but so definitely was on grateful the, on for the it. Flip, yeah, on the flip side, was there anyone that was upset with your change? Because I know I've I've had that, like, not upset, but you, you have those people right, that are upset that you're not there at, at their level anymore. Right. They're bitter or they're like, there's this animosity that you don't acknowledge them or that yes. you, th- what they think is that you think you're better than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that attitude. Quote, unquote, right. And it's like, it's not mm-hmm. that I think that I'm better than you. It's that I know that if I hang out with you, I'm going to, I'm going to go right back into it. I'm going to mess up. Um, yeah. And, and let's not, um, let's not end it there. It's, it's, uh, addiction is, is quite a beast. Um, it is. so I, you know, I got out and, um, hit the ground running, man. I said, I did so well. Um, got a job right away. Uh, you get out and you, you know, the state offers you a little bit of assistance. I took it for about two weeks and then got a job. Didn't need it anymore. Um, started working, um, wound up moving out, getting my own place. And all the time I was on parole, right? I had three years left on parole. Um, Mm -hmm. but I just, I started, I started really kind of screwing up on my own. Um, I was all alone. I had my own place. Uh, there was mm-hmm. nobody watching over me. There was nobody yeah. to tell me like, don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, so yeah. I started drinking a little bit on the weekends at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, you know, thinking, Hey, I can, I can, there was, I worked in restaurants, so it was very easy to yeah. come across different types of drugs. So I was working with this guy and he, he was doing methamphetamines. He was doing meth. And I was, you know, he's like, Hey dude, I don't, do you party? And I'm like, I no, I don't, but maybe. Um, and that was it. Mm-hmm. It was the devil's advocate. He's just the little temptation. I wound up taking it and, yeah. um, I, it, it brought me back down. I was, I was wound up doing it for like three months. Um, kept my job, but was just all over the place was not going to see friends or family, cut everybody off. I'd go home, mm-hmm. and isolate myself. Um, it was pretty bad. It's pretty toxic. And I went through that. I knew other people who were doing it. So, mm-hmm. um, I was How'd on you climb minimum. back out? Oh, so uh, I, <laughs> well, I, I was I getting rock... there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. I just I felt like I hit rock bottom. I felt like I got to a point where um, I couldn't do it anymore. It was like I'm I've lost a lot of weight. I just noticed that I'd I'd really let go of myself. Friends and family were noticing it. Um, I was lying, hiding it, cutting off dates to hang out with people. Um, and when it got to that point, I was like, you know, I really thought. This is this is the low of the lows, man. This is where you start to lose everything, and you fought and worked so hard to get all this. You know, is that what you want to do? And it's not. It's not what I wanted to do. So I openly admitted to my mom, to my coworkers, to friends, 
um, that I was using again. And I wanted to be held accountable for it. I wanted to, I was telling on myself is what I was doing. Wow. I was letting everybody know that I'd screwed up. So that way, if I did it again, they knew I was like, this is how it looks. <laughs> this is mm -hmm. what I look like. This is why I look like this. This is why you're not hearing from me. So if you see any of these behaviors, it's because of that. So mm -hmm. watch out for those things, please. Like if you can. Wow. And, um, you, you got to be as, as transparent as you can be if you want to recover, right? You can't help the people that don't want help. Yeah, exactly. At this point, I, I know I needed all the help that I could get. I wanted my life to change. I needed yeah. my life to change. You can't be this far in life and depending on any type of handouts for anybody to keep you, your head above water. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I did that. Um, told my dad, told my mom, started hanging out with them more often, hanging out with my brother. Um, yeah. Stopped talking to those people again, changed where I worked. Uh, it was just, it was a whole cycle. It was a whole process. And I had to rebuild myself. I, I met somebody else. Um, I started dating this woman who um, was extremely inspirational. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like she um, influenced me to be an even better, more aspirational human being mm -hmm. um, and taught me to have more goals and more drive and more ambition um, and to believe in myself just a little bit more. Um, because these are the things that help you to, to be a better person. If you always doubt yourself, if you have a lot of guilt, if you have a lot of hate or shame and you mm -hmm. let these things loom over you, you'll never do better because you'll always think that that's the best that you can do. And, and you also have to recognize that the ways that you think about yourself might be toxic, but if you convince yourself and you tell yourself repeatedly over and over again, you can retrain the way that you think and you can start to have more faith in yourself. You just have to live, love yourself every single day. Um, yeah, definitely. She, she definitely helped me with that. Um, yeah. Uh, to this day, we're together and, and she's, she's helped me change my life. I mean, it's just been so monumental, the, the amount of changes that I've made in my life. And I feel like when you have that much support and you really believe in yourself that much, you can do just about anything. Definitely, definitely. And sometimes it takes someone else um, in our corner, best from turning back to those ways. You know, now you have something, now you have a baby on the way. So you have yeah, more yeah. to live for. You have yeah, way more absolutely. accountability. It is so not just so. you anymore. You have a family. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's like, that's such a huge thing for me. I felt like I'm, I'm glad that I waited uh, to have kids, but I'm I'm glad that I'm at the point where I'm so ready to focus my, you know, so much of my attention on, on something else and, you know, help, you know, give this baby the best opportunity and the best life that he can have. Exactly. Um, we always try to give better, right? Do better. Uh, so. Yeah, definitely. And now you're going to um, give the gift that your father gave you, you know, you're going to be there and you're going to love on him and you're going to teach him those lessons. Now the lessons you've learned now, you know, right. so right. that's amazing. Definitely. So. For sure. I'm so um, happy for you. Thank you so much. I, it, it means a lot to me. I, I feel like um, it was such a such a process, um, but the whole time it, it, it really wasn't. I mean, it, it, like the change is so huge, but the process, if you just if you just want it, it comes so naturally. Everything just happens. I mean, it, it's it's there's always going to be struggles. Nothing is easy in life, but it's easier 
when you accept what you want and you, you have the drive to get it. Yeah. So, and I want to thank you just for being transparent because I think some people are ashamed to say like, okay, yeah, I got out of trouble and then I fell a little again. That's yeah. human. You know what I mean? And, and that's really, it's, I'm glad that you, you spoke on that. Like most people always, I mean, not always, but most people do fall back again a little bit. You know what I mean? It's well, hard just to stay on this straight and narrow path. And I think, and I feel like there's a lot of shame, you know, I've definitely fallen so. back in some old patterns many times from different things in my life, you know? And I feel like I, it's like, you do feel ashamed. Like, Oh, I know I should have known better. I know I already got in trouble for that. Like, I, you know, right. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I, I think that, um, culturally we embrace this mentality or this, this way of thinking with that says, like, if you screw up, like you're a stupid human being, yes. um, or like you're like, you're less than, or you're not worthy. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, Oh no. What? Like, what uh, that's like we all screw up but we forget that we all screw up and so when somebody does something that they've been doing we're like oh my god i can't believe it but you should you should believe it and yeah. you should offer more uh love and and consideration more grace um more grace and definitely more grace you've got to be you know it 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 it, it takes a little bit of understanding and uh, living through certain things but you definitely do um, do see that uh, it's it's that type of mentality, and I think that it's better off when somebody screws up or messes up that we embrace that and we help them. Like it's okay, these things happen. That's a part of growth. This is how we grow. Yeah. But we forget that it, it's so easy to to dismiss or or just to overlook it. Um, but it's it's yeah. so it's so monumental. It's such a big part of of how we grow. I fell. I learned yeah. from it. It's not how many times you fall. It's how many times you get back up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Perfect. So before we wrap this up, cause I know I've been taking what almost an hour of your time already. What advice would you give to the younger version of you? Man, that's a good one. I would definitely say, um, to have a little more faith in yourself. Um, mm -hmm. to, to reach out and, and connect with those people who are like-minded. Um, mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like you have a good support system, reach out and try to find one. Uh, there are a lot Amen. of people out there in this world who, who will support you. You've got to go to the right groups. Look up. There's meetups. There's so many opportunities for you to find the right people these days. Um, but just don't give up. You, you can't lose hope. You've got to be strong. Yeah. You've got to... You've got to love yourself and you've got to always try to look forward. Amen. That's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wish that uh, I would have taken it. <laughs> <back then>. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can be that. I always say, Absolutely you know, you so. gotta yep. be who you wanted when you were, you know, young. Yeah, that's right. Change the cycle by changing yourself. So, Amen. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and talk about your story. I really hope this inspires somebody, maybe somebody that feels like they don't have direction in their life or, you know, like I really hope, or they're growing up with a single parent or some, you know, I hope that this absolutely. inspires somebody. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.